one of the traps with platforms is it's not the ease with which you can reach the many. It's the effectiveness with which you can reach the few. That's why combining your platforms with your in-person networking is very powerful. This is the Fearless Pricing Podcast, where we meet and talk about real-life pricing experience. I'm your host, Philip Fucic. Today, we have Paul Ashley Jensen, and I think you need to hear what he has to say if you're frustrated with the amount of control that you have over what you do and what you charge. This, this is a very good case to hear. Hi, Paul. Hi. Tell us something about yourself first. Um, so my original background is for engineer and accountant. That's what I originally qualified as. And where I come from, that makes me a double nerd. I had uh, lots of fun working with computers, developing software. And I built a company with 20 staff and sold that. But now I like people more. So that's the area that I work in a lot more. Speaking coaching people with their words and their content. A lot of work around LinkedIn. But the biggest portion of what I do is coaching business development. What does that mean? That means I help experts who are experts in their field, but not experts in business development. And so they're trying to keep their businesses functioning consistently and getting quality leads in a space where they primarily work with people. They want help. So I help them with structures and the processes and the approach in person and on LinkedIn that helps them get the results they need. It's called business development mastery. Right. Time for the story then. Three or four years back, I started a new approach in terms of the LinkedIn services that I was doing and had a client and charged them $475 Australian. I remember the number and offered the, to help them get their LinkedIn foundation in place. It was disappointing for me and for them. Uh, I over-promised and under-delivered. I tried to do things from they didn't actually want, didn't actually need. In fact, it ended up in a situation where they asked for their money back. Now, with the new clients that I engage with, I take them on a different journey. And the first step I charge them for is $1,200. And the interesting part is I deliver and promise less for the $1,200 than I did for the $475. And they're happy with the result, and I'm happy to deliver the service. Primarily, that's because of you. How come? Because in, in working with you and understanding pricing better and understanding my positioning better and understanding how I come across, I changed my thinking and my attitude towards what I was doing. And in hindsight, after going through that change, I recognized that was it. That, that actually, I needed to change my mind about it. It wasn't people having to change their mind about the service that I offered and the prices that I charged. Very happy to hear that. Yeah. But it sounds counterintuitive, right? Because actually, I charge more and deliver less. Yes. And that sounds strictly worse. Why is it not? Because the less that I'm delivering is more in line with what people want to need. Uh, there's a higher level of satisfaction. There's a higher level of delivery. And it's more closely aligned with what they actually need at the stage they're at, rather than what I think they should have. It's a common problem when people who know their stuff try to make sure their offer is going to be a no-brainer, and then they heap on and heap on value that the client doesn't really see and, as you said, never asked for, Yeah. right? 
and then they get overwhelmed and they under and they under deliver and sometimes that even results with a total net loss of everybody's time so i had an interesting reflection with a client that i signed up recently when i was describing what we were going to do and what this client said to me is ooh that sounds very intentional so i was describing the process that we would go through and that it starts off with okay so what's your revenue target for the next 12 months where will it come from how will we get it where do we find that inside your network what processes do we need to follow what words do you need to use to get their attention and to position yourself as an expert let's look at your systems and processes and in amongst that mix is some touch on things like linkedin websites etc but what intrigued me was their description of ooh that sounds intentional and that's good that's i think how i would like to describe what i do i mean we've been talking about my business development and your pricing for a long time now and i think closest to this zen that i've seen so so you have some so i i really like your um, the less words you use the more people pay you yeah yeah rule of thumb right so yeah. how how does that work it's completely on topic for this podcast so how does uh, that work that's a good question one of the ways that works is that's how i look at the words that my clients share with me is to try and understand how we can color it down to get to the essence of what they want to communicate to their prospects another way that works is helping people understand that that you're not looking for the best words you're looking for better words that as you work your way through your understanding of your expertise what we're evolving towards is getting to the point faster saving your clients time and working out the short version of how to give them what they need as a next step and that's a challenge for me and for you and for all of us as experts yeah i mean people say you know what once you get something once you really understand something you can say it in simple terms and this is what we're talking about here yeah, yeah. right yeah if you can explain something in very few words that means you're very good and you should be paid yeah uh for that yeah it's like the work that you and i have done around this concept of maxims you and i have been playing that for playing with that for a couple of years and whenever i come across one it's magic for me and for my clients and kind of unlocking value like the one you referred to earlier which is your clients will pay you more the less words you use one of your magic ones is that expert dilemma the people who understand what you do don't need you the people who need you don't understand what you do and yeah so i love that one of yours and i grapple with that myself constantly as i'm engaging with my clients because my clients don't understand what i do but they need me yes and the more they need you the less they understand what you do yeah 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 um yeah Ex- experts paradox that's yes. the one yeah yeah and this is in contrast to the usual logic of pricing which says okay so what was spent here why does this uh the, the less words you use the more they they're willing to pay you sound illogical because less is spent right if i talk to you for for 2 minutes i spent less than i talk if i was talking to you for 2 hours yeah but does that really mean that you received less no no actually i spent less of your time as well yeah but the conventional logic is this is those are just like very light products and you price a product by 
you know, its components. And yes, okay, you have to make some money. So you tack on some uh, profit margin and, and we're good, right? Pricing done. No, no, because as we, you and I talked, uh, talked about many times, would you really want to get your um, teeth fixed in six sessions or two, right? Would you like your lawyer to, to keep you in court for a year or for a month? Yeah. Which of those is actually a bigger service, a, a better service? Yeah, yeah. So which of those is actually worth more money? The one where less time was spent. And yes, this was less time for the expert, but more crucially, less time for the client as well. Yeah. Um, you, if you can slice those words out, get them to be as few as possible, then your client can spend the time trying to work out how to apply that. So, so for me, you know, it talks about you know content marketing and how amazing that it is and how that's a modern trend. I remind them of the fact that we've been doing content marketing for thousands of years. Ever since the Greeks <clears throat> stood in the forum and espoused all their views, that's content marketing, that's them selling their point of view. And when you think about some of the oldest form of content marketing, it's know thyself, Aristotle. Yeah. And most of us will spend most of our lives trying to work out how exactly that applies to it. That it's absolutely true that some of those things never change. I was surprised way back in, in high school. I had classical education. So I learned Latin and Old Greek for too long, too long of a time. But we also had some other things as options. One of those was a drama group that only did classical Greek comedies and tragedies. So written by Eschil, okay? And... The thing is, none of these dramas, none of these comedies lost their punch, yeah, lost yeah. their message. The message is the same. Yeah. The message, so, so, so the question, the main question in Antigone, which is, are we really bound more by, by natural law, so morals, or by, by human laws? Those things get debated today as well, Yeah. right? Like the abortion debate. That's the same question. That's the exact same question. Or in a comedy where you have the Peloponnese wars and the Greek cities warring all the time, and then the women uh, get fed up with sacrificing their sons and their husbands, and they decide not to sleep with their husbands as a collective strike until they all come together and start talking. <laughs> so it, the comedy is still funny. Thousands of years. Yeah, yeah. After this was written, because those things didn't change. Human nature is still human yeah. nature, right? Yeah. If I didn't live through it, if I didn't see the audience laughing um, or thinking, I wouldn't have said, yeah, that's not possible. You know, we had so much progress and, you know, cars and social media and, you know, peppermint. But uh, no, yeah. I think that that's extremely interesting. Right. So... Can you tell me what is different in your price setting today than like two years ago? I would say the main aspect that's different is I'm better at defining the scope upfront more clearly in terms my clients can understand. So, so therefore, they know better what they're getting. I know better what I'm delivering. They can see the value more clearly. Okay. They can see what they're asking for, right? Yeah. Because in your past as a software developer, you know, 
that sometimes they think they're asking yeah. for something hard and it's actually not hard and very much vice versa. Yeah. Right? That's a good analogy too because many people when they think marketing are being trained into describing marketing in platform terms. Well, I need to be on Facebook and Instagram. I need to have 10,000 followers there. I need to post every single day. So, okay, that's one way of looking at what do you actually need for your business? Because business is not fueled by likes and comments and followers and views. And for most of us who are in the space of the services space you talked about, but even for some more technical products, primarily our business development is driven by people and by getting into conversations with people. If you don't do that, you can't grow your business. Before we continue, I'd like to suggest two things. Firstly, if this is the first time you're tuning in, I'd love for you to subscribe and hear the next story in a week. And second, if you feel you could do with a little more fearless pricing content, look in the show notes for the link to the popular, short, and sometimes funny bi-weekly newsletter. That's it. Let's get back to the show. Right. So tell me something more about platforms and algorithms because <laughs> you have a lot to say there. I'll stop you. Uh, yeah, I think understanding that relationship between the people and the platforms is important because um, platforms primarily are driven by their own profit metrics. I mean, is there any wonder that places like Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram these are, and Google are huge organizations locally. But so they have their profit metrics and we primarily are driven by the people we want to do business with. I'm not saying the platforms aren't useful. I use them too and I use them for my clients, but understanding how to use to actually connect with people. So the, the, one of the traps with platforms is it's not the ease with which you can reach the many. It's the effectiveness with which you can reach the few. And understanding that, Max, is, ah, okay. That's why combining your platforms with your in-person networking is very powerful. This is why I call you the closest to Zen, you know, Be because of stuff like that. Yeah. So, so when you, you serve, you're better at, at determining scope in terms that the clients can understand, right? And as a consequence, the expectation is closer to reality, which drives satisfaction. Yeah. Basically. Higher satisfaction. Right. Yes. And that then allows you to have good reviews and good reviews allow you to have a higher price. Yeah. yeah. People are prepared to pay if they're getting value and they can understand the value that they're going to get. And if they see the route that you're proposing actually will get them closer to what they want. Okay. And you've been doing this with platforms and business development for how long now? Maybe 10 years in varying forms. Because there's a strong ingredient in that for me in my speaking coaching. So that's a strong piece. Most of my clients speak in some way. And there's a strong ingredient in that for me in systems. CRMs and follow-up and understanding those pieces. And so a lot of that background I got kind of before when I was building my own businesses, I had to understand that. I built systems from a CRM perspective so that gave me that understanding. I've been a Toastmaster for 25 years. And so the speaking kind of tied into it too, learning how to speak and be more effective in my speaking and helping others to do the same. Uh, and in those 10 years, how did your uh, pricing look? Predominantly in my, um, early on in my business career, I charged for time. That was the space I worked in. That's what we did. Mm -hmm. We did software development or you estimated projects or support. It's all time-based. And I grew a better understanding of how to <clears throat> charge for services and fix prices. So I kind of got that a little better. 
but the real shift for me was in this new space that I've been working in the last five or 10 years is the scope part, understanding that scope better. And okay. I'm, st I'm still working on it. It's still a journey. Of course. So, so what's the most recent change that you made uh, with pricing? Um, is to look at some parts of the way that I engage are almost non-negotiable. This is the starting point of what we do. And if that interests you, then we can work together because most of the other routes don't necessarily give you an outcome as quickly as I would like and probably you would too. And so the start of that is a business development strategy because in that, in that engagement, I get a much better feel of your business and you get a much better feel of what I do and you walk away with a plan. And so when you combine that together, it makes it easier to charge a higher price. That's true. So that's the $1,200? Yeah. The dollar yeah. part? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I charge a similar amount <clears throat> for work on people's LinkedIn profiles because people kind of expect that. But I think they get higher value out of the strategy. Okay. Because they have a plan. Sure. And if they take both, do you discount? Uh, that usually starts in one or the other. And it's normally about their perspective. So I'm working with a lady at the moment and the starting point of the conversation was she wants more board positions. She's very senior in her career and has served on several boards already. So her starting point is the profile. What she actually needs is business development, but she wants to start on the profile. So that's what we're going to do. And then I'll see where that takes us. Yeah, it's a balance, of course, because, because we have the outside perspective on a client's position within our realm. Yes. We can see what they actually need sometimes better than they can. They yeah. think they need this. Oh, that iceberg is totally blocking my view. That's not the problem that you have with the iceberg. Yeah. There's yeah. an iceberg. Yes. And it is a problem. Yes. That's not the one. Yeah. That's not the one. That's yeah. not the one that you, you should be worried about. We can solve that while yeah. solving something else. But sometimes you can't. So the, the visible part of the iceberg, to, to continue the metaphor, is the symptom, not necessarily the problem. They come to you because of the symptom. So the lady came to you, I need to, I need to refresh my LinkedIn profile. Yeah. Yes, right? Yes. However, yeah. that's not the main thing here. But if you start with that too early before you develop rapport, then you drive them away. Yeah. Because... Uh, you deny them the opportunity to be able to improve the situation. Just because you're so pig-headed about that's how it needs to be done. Yes. I mean, you're right, but that doesn't help. And this is why I sometimes bewilder engineers because they are so uh, focused on what is correct because th that's their job, right? Yeah. Their yeah. job is to, to know what is correct, right? Absolutely. And in, let's, let's call it marketing, it's not what, what people conventionally mean by, by, by marketing. So market fit, let's say. It's no use being right if the other side can't see it. Yeah. And that's a very hard lesson to, to take home that it's simply, it, it simply doesn't matter that, that you're right unless the client sees that. Because unless the client sees that, they think you're just saying that because you want money. Yeah. Which you would never do. There's professional ethics. That there's your personal integrity. You know, you came from the internet. How good can you really be? Yes. Yeah. Right? yeah. So you have to engage in talking about the symptom in order to ever get to actually solving the problem.
that yeah. you can clearly see from day one that this is what they need. But that's not necessarily what you can sell them. Yeah. Right. Because they haven't asked you what they need. They've asked you for what they want. Yes. Yes. And this is why scoping, as we were talking about scoping, scoping is not really something clients can or should do in, in, in some very rare case. Yeah. Fine. <clears throat> but in most cases, the client is, in so many words, an amateur in your field. Yes. That's why they need you. Yes. Right? And that means leaving them to, to figure out what are the steps here. And what's the sequence of those steps is completely detrimental to everybody's time and money, yeah. including the client, yeah. right? So th while they are usually correct in what they want and what the boundaries are, the rest of the scope is on you. Or right? Yeah, providing them with the framework to be able to define what it is that they really need and understand it and understand why they need this and not that. Absolutely. And when people w work with me, usually they, sooner or later, they say, okay, we've been talking for a couple of hours now. We haven't mentioned pricing yet. Yeah, yeah. And this is because their market fit or how do their, if I'm going to get technical, how do their outputs fit into other people's inputs? That's the main problem. The symptom of which, if th this is misaligned, is they can't get a good price because they know something is worth something. So some work is worth something and the client doesn't see it. And if the client doesn't see it, it doesn't really matter that the math would check out. They're not going to check out the math. They don't believe your math. They don't understand your math. So, so this is why my, my logo says fearless pricing. I technically do much more than pricing, but the pricing is the recognizable part of the iceberg, the symptom. And then people want to talk to me about pricing. And then I can show them what is this really about and we can solve the problem and the symptom solves itself in the process. So, so this is, it's a funny thing, but it has to be done, right? It has to be done. So you uh, have the domain, the LinkedIn strategist, right? I do, yeah. And for, I think, real similar reasons. Yeah, it's a good conversation starter. Because often when I tell exactly. people that's what I do, that, oh, that's interesting. And you get it to work for me. How do you do that? And the other part is that I don't have Microsoft's marketing budget. I don't need it because all I just say I'm a LinkedIn strategist. People, most people recognize what LinkedIn is. And most people who need more of that would recognize the brand and say, you know, yeah, I'd like, like to be doing better with that. Yeah. Like, like, like it's interesting. This lady who I'm talking about uh, is very senior in her career uh, and got amazing credentials, but she still thinks, feels that LinkedIn is probably a space that she should be doing better at. Now, that's not me convincing her about that. That's Microsoft. In my <laughs> view. Well, yes. you really should be on LinkedIn. You know, people will look at your LinkedIn profile. I don't need to convince people of that. They're already convinced. I just need to yeah. uh, help them see the people in that discussion and not so much the platform. So what would be your advice to people listening who are experts struggling with, who are experts struggling with their pricing. Get a better understanding of the scope that you need to deliver. And understand that line that you use, the expert paradox. When you fully understand that people who understand you don't need you, and people who need you don't understand what you do, then you can start thinking about, how do I change it? How do I describe what I do in terms that they get? 
because otherwise you heap on value that nobody appreciates and then yeah. you burn out trying to deliver it. Yeah. 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 I really like your story, Paul. Uh, tell me, wh where can people find you? LinkedIn strategist, Paul Ashley Jensen. Find <laughs> me on LinkedIn or the LinkedInstrategist.com. Right. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, Paul, thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure. Uh, thank you for all your help and your persistence in getting me here. Likewise, dude. Likewise. Uh, dear listener, uh, thank you as well. And I'll see you next week on the Fearless Pricing Podcast. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, simply subscribe. Until next time, your host, Philip.